Hello and welcome to Not For Girls, a podcast by two women fighting gender stereotypes, talking about life, personalities and everything in between. My name is Nikki. Hi, I'm Leah. And we're here to talk about personalities and personality tests today. We are. Um, this is something a little bit different for us because um, it's quite broad. Um, but we've had a couple heavier topics and figured that maybe this might be something um, a little bit lighter and also kind of a way for you listeners to get to know us a little bit better. Yeah, of course. And I think the nice one with this one as well is like everyone can kind of do it. It's like if you haven't done it already and you don't already know kind of what you've got from from doing these, you can do it and uh, and see what you get and see if, you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing. I think for us, we just we just we always find it quite interesting and sort of comparing and, and talking about it. So but why not yeah. do an episode on it? Exactly. <laughs> why not share <laughs> share the interesting information with all the people? Yeah. And like we said, like no topic is off bounds for this podcast. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're throwing everything at you. So, <laughs> cool. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's uh, let's kick things off. Um, so because okay. we're looking at a few, well, a couple of different tests, uh, personality tests this week. Yes. Yeah, we only did two in the end because it turns out some of the other ones are quite complicated, and uh, I don't know that good. So I feel like we did sort of two of the ones that are the most common, the most like the ones that people have done the most. Um, but I think we should maybe start by just sort of talking about what a personality test is. So it is basically a method of assessing human personality constructs, and supposedly these personality tests date back to like the 18th and 19th century when. Um, personality was once assessed through phrenology, which is apparently the measurements of bumps on the human skull. So, oh my goodness! So what? The and also, your skull was the yeah. you were, or more bumps means more stupid. I don't know, but apparently that was a thing that they did. And also, they would also measure it on a person's outer appearance. So they used to think that a person's outer appearance defined their personality, which is weird and wrong. Mm. I mean, sometimes no that that kind of still happens. Like people get that way. Like you look at someone and think, "Oh, they're probably this type of person." So, but they actually yeah. based science on prejudice back then. So, <laughs> I know. Hey, we've 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 come we've come away. <laughs> <laughs> but then it seems in the 1920s, um, the tests, like actual tests, were actually made, um, and these were intended to kind of supposedly ease the process of pers- um, selection in the armed forces. So this actually had like a a purpose in in the military for people for them to pick certain people that would be good soldiers or not good soldiers so I thought that was quite interesting that's Um, really interesting I never knew it had a military application but like the the army ads now say like marines be the best and it's like a mindset thing so it's it kind of seems like that's almost still part of like at least an aspect of their recruitment like going for people that are I, I guess men- mentally resilient or, or something um I've never been in the army but it looks like a really hard job yeah. so that's probably important for sure well it's still being used today in other aspects which is what I find a bit scary and I don't really like so it mm-hmm. it was then used a lot in the workplace and it still is used today I think people still do personality tests it's not always named as a personality test but it is definitely like I've done one before where mm. I was applying for a job and it wanted me to do like respond to all these particular situations. Oh, and you just you know that that's a personality test, but they do it. The employers want to reduce their turnover rates and you know prevent any sort of losses, so they mm. want to avoid certain people. And it, it seems awful, but yeah, like these these tests, although ones we're doing today are very quite are quite novel and they're not really going to you know give you much. Like it seems that these tests were actually used for quite serious purposes. Yeah, I've I've had to do uh one of one of the tests that we're talking about today. I've had to do one of these for a previous job. Uh so there's definitely like uh, employers definitely still use them to kind of yeah. I, I I guess it's I think in in the situation I had to do it it was more of a management thing. So your manager knew like certain strategies that might be best to uh, support you or manage you or deliver information or like how to get the best out of you but I yeah. think that it kind of started with those really good intentions and then just became like you know just do the work <laughs> like it fell off the rails quite quickly and was just like just do just can you just do your job please 
which everyone does anyway but yeah but we can go on to talk about our first test which yes. is the myers-briggs type indicator yes or mbti one of the most popular um tests among because I, I was going to say uh, there's a lot of tests that aren't necessarily used like by the public there's a yeah. lot of tests that are used by um sort of like uh scientists psychology people that you know I, we don't have access to and we wouldn't be able to do but this is one of the ones that is so easy to go online and do yourself yeah and it absolutely. seems to be the best out of those ones from what i found so what makes it what makes it more reliable or more kind of widely used than the other personality tests i think the there? basis of it i've done a little bit of research into it um and it seems to have been started by someone called Catherine cook Briggs and her daughter Isabel Briggs Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in 1917, actually, so a very long time ago. But I really like the, the sort of premise of how it started. Apparently, it was uh, she met her son-in-law, and she observed marked differences between his personality and that of her family members, which I think we can all relate to. As when you've like met someone, whether it's like a partner or even just a friend, and you introduce them to like your family or whatever, and you start to notice, you're like, well, this family is like totally different from my family. Like, there's such big differences um and i just thought that was quite funny it is but like imagine how that poor son-in-law must have felt like not only are you meeting your wife or future wife's parents for the very (laughs) first time but they're psychologists they're psychoanalyzing you and they're marking very clearly for academic purposes all the reasons why you're different (laughs) like how intimidating would that be yeah that poor man (laughs) um yeah so they kind of like they've sort of proposed these kind of these things because they sort of noticed that um there was like they they proposed four temperaments which is like the meditative or thoughtful uh, spontaneous executive and social but then this was kind of furthered on by somebody else called um carl jung he was a swiss psychiatrist and it seems that they both sort of came to this kind of theory independently and she sort of recognised that his theory was quite similar, but I think he's the one that kind of took it further. Um, so he speculated that people experience the world using four principal psychological functions, sensation, intuition, feeling and thinking. Right. And so that's what makes up like the, the personality types because they're often always four letters. Um, and so like for an example, actually, I'm going to give you, I'll, I'll use ours as an example, mm-hmm. but um there's like four categories of like introversion extroversion sensing intuition thinking feeling judging perceiving and i think um this then produces the 16 types so although this is called the mbti i think it's also called the 16 personalities test is that right yes uh it's literally just 16 personalities.com um that's the the most yeah. common test that everybody takes it's it is the mbti test it's just called 16 personalities i'm assuming for like easy pr reasons like it's probably just more memorable or more marketable yeah. or something um but yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting though because i thought that young's theories came first and then myers-briggs came after but they kind of obviously developed their theories around the same time but yeah just thought that was really interesting yeah, um, it is really interesting because I think I think they were similar. They weren't exactly the same, but they were definitely similar in in the way that they were. But it seems that it sort mm-hmm. of just came together after that. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting, and I think just sort of the way just reading about it, it does seem to be, um, it does seem to make sense in my mind. But I didn't know if you wanted to talk about the reliability of it now or after we discuss our results. What do you reckon? Um, should we should we get into the results first? We'll give give the yes. juicy reveal, um, and then we can talk about is this actually true, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> okay, scrutinize cool. it. Um, but right. So interestingly, we have the exact same type. We do, yeah. Which was really weird. I think that's kind of why we decided to do this because we were like, well, this is quite interesting. Um, we don't know our results for the next test, so that's worth mentioning. So we'll see what we both get in that one. Um, yeah. But we both got the the advocate or the idealist, which is INFJ. Yes, and so despite yeah. both being this type, they're less than they make up less than one percent of the general population. So we're like two unicorns who found each other <laughs> and decided to do a podcast. Yeah, um, and. I have to admit, when I started reading, because I, okay, this is worth mentioning, I, like a good few years ago, I did the test 
and I did get INFP and I now I've redone it and I redid it like three times on the same day uh like at different times and I kept mm. getting INFJ so I'm like I don't know I think I probably be you know sometimes <laughs> maybe INFP but INFJ seems to be my main thing but I I think looking at INFJ I, it's more me and I I actually mm. that's why I quite like this test because normally with these tests I read them and I'm like oh I mean, we'll get into that later <laughs> with how I feel yeah. about the other tests. But this one I feel like is actually super accurate when it comes to me. And I know that could be like a horoscope where you read something and you're like, oh, that's so me. And it's not, it's just general. But I don't know, there is something about about this and INFJ and sort of me that just seems to be very like fitted. I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, I I, I definitely, it, once once we kind of did the test and, and obviously... It's interesting that you say that you've done this multiple times because I have as well. I I did it at school. I did it in various different yeah. jobs. I did loads of different personality tests. Uh, this one a few times and some less academic, more Buzzfeedy ones in my twenties when I was like super insecure and trying to like who yeah. am I, um, and trying to find <laughs> it out like who I am. Um, but I've always on this test, I've always gotten the same result INFJ every time, regardless yeah. of like change of circumstances, change of mood. Um, it's always thrown back the same result, which does feel like a very consistent, reliable for result. sure. Yeah, um, and that's really interesting. And once we kind of both found that we had this type and it was actually something that I revisited recently, having like come to the end of my uh, education and thinking about what should I do next? I kind of revisited this because on the 16 personalities page, it has uh, like different career things of what you find rewarding based on your cognitive functions. And I just thought that insight might help me make some choices. But once yeah. we decided to do the test together and we were going through what this is, I really started to feel like I understood you so much better because all of Aww. these things, I do feel like they're you and I do feel like they're me yeah. as well. Um, but they kind of like, I mean, we have a lot in common anyway. Like, obviously, we're friends. Mm. Um, but it yeah, makes sense this, now. <laughs> this seemed really accurate, actually, in both of our cases, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And, and like you said, not in a really horoscopy way. Shall I read a bit of information? Because I, yeah, I copied let's... something from a website called verywellmind.com. Um, they're just like a general description of INFJ, so our personalities. And I think there are some things that make sense. Um, so. INFJ personalities are creative, gentle, and caring. INFJs are usually reserved, but highly sensitive to how others feel. They are typically idealistic with high moral standards and a strong focus on the future. INFJs enjoy thinking about deep topics and contemplating the meaning of life. I mean, that's what we're doing <laughs> right now. And making a podcast out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what sets the INFJ apart is their ability to take their idealism and translate it into action. They are not daydreamers or philosophers who just think about changing the world. They are capable of taking their values and using them to bring about positive, lasting change. So that's nice and makes perfect sense for us. But I've also got some strengths and weaknesses too so sensitive to the need of others which i find that i'm quite empathetic about so like a lot of the time like it's like friends and family so for me that's quite poignant mm -hmm. um reserved that's i know that we're talking on a podcast and being very chatty but actually in, in my social life in my general living life i'm i can be incredibly reserved for people that mm -hmm. i don't know um which i think you're similar to an extent yeah i would say so yeah. um i mean it's it's kind of uh, yeah INFJs are quite private and I definitely get that thing where I'm like I'm not ashamed of anything but there's nothing you need to know so I'll just reveal what yeah. I'm comfortable with as and when and exactly. if I don't particularly know you that it's really just not it doesn't concern you really I don't yeah. like why would I reveal information about <laughs> yeah me to some exactly if, if you, you don't trust someone uh, also them. highly yeah highly creative and artistic is another one which for me although i'm in the sciences like before then i was in art for like all of like my kind of like college and all that kind of stuff and so i've always seen myself as still very creative um which i know obviously you are because you did a creative writing degree and you're a cosplayer which is massively creative yeah. so like yeah um, that's that's something that manifests as a really prominent trait uh for both of us yeah okay and another one is focus on the future which yeah you know most people are, but uh, values close and deep relationships, which is 100% me because I like to have a small group of friends, not big ones, and make like put all of my effort into those. 
For sure. Uh, we already talked about that on our friendship episode about how it's like quality over quantity. And I would yeah. rather have a handful of like 100% real awesome people than like 100 people who, you know, what if shit hit the fan, they just bail because that's that bond isn't yeah. there. Uh, so yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely looking for the kind of like deeper relationships. Um, and that happens yeah. like kind of romantically as well. Like when I was single, I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd stop and, you know, take note if something could become something real, but I would never just be like a casual, like, data, oh, no. really. Um, that's never something that I felt like I enjoyed or found, like, no. fun or fulfilling. Like, it just... I think... And, and I don't mean that in a judgy way of, like, people who go out and do that. About, like, I absolutely don't think that. I'm just saying, as somebody who, like, you. looks for that bond... I, I can't just spend that time like my time for me is like such a precious resource and I can't like justify spending time with people where I don't feel like that that bond can like be nurtured or or anything like that like I, I, I just really look for that yeah. connection and I was exactly the same like I hated dating because every time I felt like I sort of like would meet up with someone I wanted to talk about like everything and this this goes into the next thing, which was enjoy Sigma meaning of life. Again, because that pops up like it did before. I like to have really deep conversations. Like I want to get to know you like very well. And, you know, and I don't like the fact that we then get to know each other really well. And then it's kind of like, okay, bye. Like I'm never going to see you again. Like, as you said, like my time is precious. If I'm like investing and in talking to you, you know, it's like, and I, so I don't, I didn't like to, to date very much because I found it really difficult. Um, I felt like I put a lot of my energy into getting to know someone into opening up and learning about them and having all these conversations. I didn't want to just be like, all right, but I'm never going to see you again. Mm. So I'm very much like an all or nothing kind of person in that regard. So if I am going to open up to you and be myself and show you who I am, like I expect to kind of have you stick around a bit, maybe if that makes sense. Uh, and the weaknesses, which again, are with like set with me quite a lot, which is uh, can be overly sensitive. Which is yeah, definitely. I, I wanted to. I wanted to talk about this because um, <laughs> this this is possibly the thing that I struggle with most about myself. And on the sixteen personalities, this is literally word perfect to describe exactly. Uh, so it says people with the advocate personality type are highly vulnerable to criticism and conflict. Questioning their <laughs> motives is the quickest way to their bad side. Um, yeah, when someone challenges advocate principles or values, they're likely to receive an alarmingly strong response. Oh, yeah. That like my partner has, to, sure has to cope with that a lot. So Whenever mine, like yeah. something is so anyone knows something is touched on or they say something like a little bit wrong that I don't quite agree with um they often just get this sort of explosion of like what do you mean this is what you, <laughs> you know? like it's not to say that like I can't take someone else's opinion and that like, I can't appreciate it and respect it it's just sometimes it's hard if you sometimes maybe you feel like you're being personally attacked or something you know is like morally wrong that's being said it, it's hard to stay quiet and like I will talk it to the death if that makes sense like I want to discuss debate and get over it kind of thing 100 percent. I mean I, I I have to really be careful about who I talk about my work with because a big part of, of creativity uh is getting feedback from people and so if my work is being critiqued that's absolutely fine but if it turns into a situation where it's me being questioned like why have you made this decision and I'm like, because I'm the fucking one in charge. That's why. Like, oh my God, it's, it, it is tantrum time when I feel like you're coming for me. Like that, yeah. I really struggle to, and like differentiating it is so important. But like, I have to, uh, I have to really be careful about like opening myself up to criticism. I have to brace myself and know that I need to temper my response because I need to be constructive, not overly sensitive. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and to kind of keep it on topic, I, like I think what helps is uh, taking criticism from people that you trust um, and people that have information that can actually help you. Because I know that it's happened way too many times for me where some Bobby Big Bollocks is like strutted up and gone, I think you should do this. And I'm like, well, sorry, but who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> are you like, yeah. do you know an expert knowledge about what I'm doing? Or do you have Why like, should experience I that saying? I need yeah, that I need to take into account because you're you're a subject matter expert or you're genuinely trying to help me? Or do you just feel like you want more status in this situation and you're trying to throw your weight around and be like, yeah, look at me, I know things. Uh, yeah, it's so important to take critique where it, from where it matters. 
I think exactly. some people just want to push other people down, and so it's, it's knowing when it's it's constructive criticism or someone just coming in. Because I, sure. I for me personally, I think that I if I ask for constructive criticism and I ask for things that I can do better, and then I receive it, I'm not going to be pissed off. But if you swaddle right. in and tell me what you think is wrong with what I'm doing when yeah. I haven't asked you, then I'm probably going to be like, well, I don't really care yeah thanks for your opinion but who the hell asked you like I mean because this is it when it's unsolicited it always feels so rude to me sometimes but like I wouldn't come up to you and say like and go oh hey Nikki uh this is how you should be doing your bat surveys because who the hell am I to like I don't know you're the one with the education (laughs) and all the qualifications and all the experience like if I come up to you and start telling you all this shit by no means should you take any of that on board like I do not have the information that I need to be offering to you so like yeah I've thought a lot about it and 100% taking critique I'm working on it. I'm trying to be better. Uh, but it's still a, a tricky thing for our, our little um, sensitive yeah. INFJ personalities. <laughs> and another weakness is stubbornness. So that fits in well. <laughs> oh, it's going so well. <laughs> sensitive, stubborn. No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also sometimes difficult to get to know, which you've already touched upon. Yeah. Um, it can be very private, reserved. But when you do get to know us, we're awesome. But it's going to probably take you a little while. Obviously not on the podcast because we're letting ourselves be free. But in yeah. real life, we're to get through to our, you know to us it's a bit it's a bit different uh can have overly high expectations which is something that i definitely have i often have quite high expectations of people and don't really realize it and often realize sometimes that it's a bit unfair yes i get high I, expectations i get this as well because i think i i'm my own worst critic and then i hold myself up to such a higher standard to make sure that i'm like constantly improving in things that i feel that i'm not good at and learning new things and trying to be better than my past self and so yeah. if someone else is is just kind of perfectly fine doing things the way they are I have to be really careful to to not get frustrated with that and just let other people do what's right for them because just because I'm this like striving like perfectionistic kind of person that's not fair to put that expectation on other people either so and I I definitely could do with like just easing on the brakes sometimes and like slowing down because I think that uh like that one of the things it says is like um uh, advocate personalities are all but defined by their pursuit of their ideals so that idealistic outlook knowing the way things should be if they were ideal knowing the way you should be if you were your best self knowing the way the world should be if everything like everyone did the right thing and then striving to actually achieve that idealistic image like that is very much the infj outlook and so i have to just kind of get myself to be realistic when it comes to actually having interpersonal friendships because uh that's just not how everybody else works so yeah sometimes we just need to chill out I think we do that's that's what I struggle with as well like I kind of have these big expectations of how I want and I want things to be and often I find that you can get disappointed with the reality of things as well just in life um Mm. so it's kind of trying to combat that but I think it's the idealism which which causes that I think it's it's wanting everything to be how it should be in reality unfortunately it's not always not always the case for sure yeah Um, lastly as well one of the one of the last weaknesses is uh mm -hmm. dislikes confrontation which although we can be very argumentative and want to (laughs) debate our point I am someone who dislikes actual confrontation I don't like telling people harsh truths uh especially if i don't know them very well i don't like i would never like go up to someone and start any kind of fight or argument i'm not actually a very confrontational person um i don't know about you no same i'm i'm a massive people pleaser and i thought this was just like a middle child thing because <laughs> middle children are always supposed to be like the peacekeepers and i always just felt like oh it's just a middle child thing but uh this is something that's come up on a, a few different like tests like this that I've done uh which is just yeah. saying that you really avoid confrontation and like like last week we were talking about uh you know a more of a, a serious topic and activism and and you know debating the merits of a cause that's fine that's discourse that's just you making a point with facts and me coming back with a point with other facts and us kind of collectively trying to figure out 
what a certain situation is um or or you know you have that type of conversation with lots of other people it's not a conflict it's just a discussion uh but if it's conflict especially in a personal sense like if if you know close friend or family member sort of comes to me and says look you've done this thing and it's really upset me I I cannot even describe how horrible that feels Uh, but then even if I'm on the other end of it and I kind of have to go up to someone else and say look there's this there's this thing that's happened and I'd really appreciate it if you know things could be different so this doesn't happen again again I feel horrible being the one to bring it up Mm. Uh, so I have to really think about how I categorize these conversations and I tell myself it's not a fight you're just having a talk with somebody and resolving a problem that's it and then I kind of can pluck up the courage to come up to somebody and say could we please talk about this thing because I'd really (laughs) like it if it was this way my idealistic INFJ way (laughs) and then I kind of have to like negotiate and compromise usually but that's fine it's just at least being able to have these conversations um, I think that's a big thing in like my relationship now where I'm, I feel comfortable and confident doing that because my partner's patient and receptive and, you know, will, will let me get to my point. Uh, but with yeah, previous, previous partners, like I would, I would not even feel comfortable speaking up or trying to have these conversations. And then once you, once you've got that line of communication cut off, I mean, it's dead in the water really, isn't it? So (laughs) hence why I'm not still in any of those situations. (laughs) I have found a little bit of information about INFJ personalities in regards to the best career. And I wanted to mention it. So apparently the best careers for the INFJ personality is animator, (laughs) data management consultant. Uh. Uh, Oh, I wanted to say, sorry to... To give you a bit more information about where I got this from, this is from Indeed. This is from Indeed.com, a oh. job recruitment website. So apparently they have they tell you what is the best job for your personality type. So anyway, yeah, data management consultant, boring. Sorry if you do that. I'm I'm sure it's really fun. Designer. <laughs> yeah. HR manager. Mm-hmm. Massage therapist. Okay. Physical therapist. Nutritionist. Professor psychologist or school counsellor okay take that with what you will i mean the 16 personalities page had like a career path uh section which is the part that i looked at so i'm assuming that indeed have kind of put this into slightly more corporate employability kind of things because the advocate page the um career path on the 16 personalities thing says uh the desire to help and connect makes careers in healthcare, especially the more holistic varieties, very rewarding for advocates. Roles such as counsellor, psychologist, doctor, life coach and spiritual guide are all attractive options. Um, okay. But as long as um, the work is meaningful and can allow the advocate to be creative, uh, then they will be able to be productive, uh, you know, as long as those needs are met. And what was really interesting is that uh, it goes, these needs are hard to meet in a corporate environment where advocates will be forced to manage someone else's policies alongside their own. (laughs) And I just remembered where in like our friendship episode, we were talking about how we like didn't fit in in that corporate job and just kind of chatted to each other about video games and, uh, you know, putting the world to rights every day. And that just kind of struck me because I was like, oh that's actually true and it actually happened for both of us where we were in a situation where we kind of bonded over just really hating that job so that makes me want to go on to my next bit of information that i found which is i found uh to sort of fit myself in it a little bit more i found that there was actually there are two other two scientists that are Mm -hmm. also infjs and one of them is carl jung himself Oh, the yay. man who Good job, yeah. came up with the thing, yay. which is cool. Um, and also Jane Goodall, uh, she was like my, she is my hero, uh, one of my <laughs> heroes. Um, and so she's amazing. So apparently she's an INFJ. Then I stumbled upon something a little bit questionable because I looked at all these famous INFJs, and a lot of them are just like actors and, and things like that. But what confuses me with the famous INFJs is the fact that it's brought me these other people that are apparently INFJ, but I'm like, how do you know? 
these people are INFJ, really? Like, how? Yeah. So anyway, these three people that are apparently INFJ are Adolf Hitler, Robert Mugabe, and Osama Bin Laden. Well, now I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but they also said that... On 60 how do personalities, they know? Because, like, it's given me Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, and Mother Teresa. So, like, I'm sorry, but now this just seems like bullshit. Because how can Mother Teresa and Hitler be the same type? Like, this, what? I put this, yeah. I put this in because it was one of those shocking things, though. It's like, <laughs> hang on. I don't think that Adolf oh, Hitler no. did the 16 personalities test. Yeah, and also, that's someone being an armchair psychologist, you know, just sitting back and going, oh, I think their cognitive functions were this. Because that's what yeah. this test does. It's it's about your cognitive functions. It's not about whether you're, you know, a fascist or a, a nun or whatever Mother Teresa was. I guess she was a nun. I, I, yeah, I think. Yeah. It's about how you perceive the world, how you take in information, um, how that information can correlate to your values and make you behave in certain ways. Uh, but I think that uh, when I when I was doing some research into this, I, I, I looked into the origin of the test and you've covered a lot of it already. But um, in 1962, uh, Myers uh, herself stated that this test was best viewed as a hypothesis for further testing and verification rather than an infallible expectation of all behaviors. So it's not exhaustive. It's not definitive. It's more of an indication about our personalities, about how, our how you interact with exactly the world and your responses. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a good time to go into the reliability after, after that <laughs> info drop there. Yeah. Now that I feel like I'm being compared to Hitler and <laughs> Mother Teresa. <laughs> it, I just, so, yeah, it, it doesn't really make much sense. And I think, I think when people are putting historical figures like that in personality types, I'm like, you're just guessing where you put these people if, if they were to mm. be something you don't really actually know because they haven't done the test. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I just thought it, I just thought that was a nice segue into the reliability. So I did a little bit of um, research and it looks like supposedly uh, the test retest reliability of the MBTI apparently tends to be low in the sense that large numbers of people, sort of 39% and 76% of respondents obtain different type classifications when retaking the indicator after only five weeks. So I'm going to retake mine in a month, I've decided. Uh, and okay. there's been a lot of people that are saying that there is like problems in in the test sort of retest thing that there could be a 50% chance that you will fall into a different personality type if you do it five weeks later than mm. the first time we did the test. Yeah, I mean, in my in my personal experience, I think it has been reliable, but I did some research as well uh, for this, and I found a paper by Gregory J. Boyle in 1995 where he wrote about the psychometric limitations of the Myers-Briggs test. Uh, and he noted that the validity of the dominant and auxiliary functions had not yet been tested empirically at that time, um, but that it did obviously place more emphasis on cognitive styles, such as consciousness and control and how you take in data yeah. than other personality tests. So what it's trying to achieve is also, it, it, it marks itself out as being different. Um, but one thing that this study did also note is that the data for the general population was quite lacking. So there was a lot of information for like Caucasian middle class people to university students and stuff like that, but very little empirical information on minorities or the working class populations at the time. So uh, there could it could be that, you know, I mean, psychologists are always, you know, working on new things. It may be that somebody is kind of taking this model and bringing it into a, like through a more intersectional lens uh, because. Another thing that can massively impact the reliability of this test is it's up to you, the respondent, to have the self-awareness to, to answer truthfully. And I feel that sometimes there will be like a social desirability of like, well, I'd like to be the kind of person who does this if you're answering a certain scenario based question. But actually, that might not be truthful. It might just be what is seen as socially desirable. 
So um, the accuracy is very much a subjective thing um, because it's reliant on the respondent being very self-aware. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I was kind of wondering about is was like in terms of being for girls or not for girls, because we kind of look at things through a bit of an intersectional feminist lens is that there are certain questions which could be dependent on gender norms as well. So there's a question about, uh, it, so they're all scenario-based with the Myers-Briggs questions. So one example was, if your friend is sad about something, your first instinct is to support them emotionally, not to try and solve their problem. And then you rate whether you agree strongly or disagree strongly or somewhere in the middle as to how accurate that is to describe you. But like having that kind of empathy and that nurturing side and that openness side are historically and still today very much seen as women traits and female traits and things that women are supposed to express. Um, and uh, with with men, you know, uh, that the the stereotype is that they'll be more of the problem solvers and go, oh, you should just do this. Um, like, I don't know if people remember uh, the uh, like self help relationship book. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah. Um. It was a few years back, but it was one of these books that massively entrenched these gender norms of like this is how men work and this is how women work and they're very different species. Uh. And so sometimes those those gender norms could massively influence like how people answer because it's kind of also what society expects of you based on the gender you identify as and what the the norms and stereotypes are for that gender i don't find anything empirical about this because i still don't have uh, any broadband in my new house but um <laughs> i feel like <laughs> if i looked for papers on like you know the if there's any like sexist bias in these tests there's probably information out there but literally just from taking the test like it's quite clear to see sometimes like how some of these questions could be really influenced by by your your gender stereotypes um so i feel yeah, like that could also be a, a part of impacting the validity because it might not be really who you are it might just be how you think you're expected to act in society or how you've been conditioned to act in society so i don't know yeah there's that <laughs> It's interesting. As I said, I know what you mean, because when I was taking the test, there's some questions that it asks you that maybe you don't want to answer truthfully, that where it actually sound quite negative for you. Like if you were to admit like, well, I know not, not necessarily with this one, but especially with the other one that we're about to talk about, there were some questions mm. where it was kind of like, do you think you're better than everyone else? Like, oh do my you God. Not? And all this kind yeah. of stuff. And it's like, yes, it's quite stressful because I'm like, well, no, but like am I you know when you start questioning like am I answering am I just answering because this is how I think I should be answering it and it's, it's very questionable yeah absolutely like, I think I think that's a nice lead-in actually to the to the next test um to talk about because yeah some of those questions I, I want to get into that as well <laughs> um so okay, cool. shall we talk about the Enneagram test yeah. which is our second so one. the Enneagram a system of personality typing that describes patterns how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. So similar to Myers-Briggs, uh, it describes nine different personality types and match each of these types on a nine-pointed diagram, which helps illustrate how the types relate to another. Um, apparently, it's quite old, which I didn't know. Um, the origin is sort of unknown, but it's definitely Greek, because apparently the word Enneagram comes from the Greek. Ennea is the Greek word for nine, and grammar means something like that's drawn or written oh. but yeah it was thought that it has ancient roots in babylon around four thousand five hundred years ago wow <laughs> that is while crazy. others place the origin in classical greek mythology around two thousand five hundred years ago and has also the model has been attributed to the jewish kabbalah christian mysticism and sufism a mystical form of islam so don't know apparently dante apparently had very good knowledge of the enneagram <laughs> i don't know it's a lot of information oh. it's potentially very old but for something that's very old i don't think it's very good personally uh, in my opinion <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i didn't we'll enjoy this this one either um it's interesting that you'd say that it, it has kind of roots in like mythology and religion and stuff because i, I took this test a few times on a few different sites yeah. and one of them was like very like christian and I just kind of thought, like, I mean, that's fine if people are Christian, like, of course. But if you're taking mm. the test and you're not a Christian, 
how is this like it's just not very it wasn't put in general terms of like how you could relate this in information into your own value structures or your own spiritual thing if you if it wasn't christianity um so it was really weird it was and i got a i got a wild card uh result on that the test that i took on that site and then everything else on every other site came back different um yeah i had a similar thing lot of variability which yeah i don't think is right and i wasn't a huge fan of the questions and the way they were being asked but there was a lot of repetitiveness with the questions um that was one of the first things i realized is how repetitive they are yeah i couldn't quite figure out the science behind this one i tried Mm. to look into the sort of model to understand exactly what it means and all i sort of found out was that these particularly nine personalities if you look at the little chart uh so like two three and four are meant to be like heart uh, and that's how you respond to things and then five six and seven are like head and then one nine and eight are like body and supposedly um there's like there's like connecting lines between all of them so supposedly these lines have some sort of connection to someone's overall personality and it's never just like you just get one and that's you supposedly these connecting lines are meant to give you sort of an overall gist of you and you mm. get wing points i tried to figure out my wings on this because i only the website i did it on i only got like one type but then i had like percentage amounts of the other types so i assumed due to like the connections oh very very confusing not mm. the easiest test do it and let us know what you get and how you feel about it but um confusing so we yeah. can go to our results if you want well I, I i just wanted to talk a little bit about the questions first if that's okay because oh, uh I, I did find this really difficult to answer and then i knew that that would possibly impact how accurate my results were so where the the myers-briggs questions were very scenario based so like the one that i get the example about if your friend is sad and stuff or another example of the Myers-Briggs question uh, or st- statement that you agree or disagree with is your travel plans are more likely to look like a rough list of ideas than a detailed itinerary. So nice specific scenario based question. And you can think back to the last time you made travel. And did you have really specific itinerary or did you just have a vague thing and you were like, oh, I'll wing it. And that, you know, is a good idea of, of kind of yeah how you plan and make decisions. The Enneagram, however are you an important part of your social groups? And I was like, well, it doesn't particularly matter to me if I'm important, as long as I care about the people in my life and they care about me. Like it's that, you know, we all kind of love each other and get along really well. It does. What do you mean by important? Like I have more power, I have more status or just I'm important to them as a human, as a connection. Like it's so vague. What do you mean? I'm important in my social groups. Like at work and your friend like what do you mean any like it's so (laughs) like so many of these questions seemed like the statement was just a self-defeating like tautology and it just meant nothing or they're trying to find people who like genuinely think they're the new messiah or something like yes i'm very important yes i'm better than everyone like it just seemed very egocentric and really vague so i didn't enjoy taking this test at all but that being said i I did take it a bunch and i did i got one consistent result across a few different what is it and then i got one wild card so i got the result i got was that i am a type one which is called the reformer and it also says the rational idealistic type principled purposeful self-controlled and perfectionistic so actually Mm -hmm. that seemed quite similar to the infj result so i kind of thought well okay but you know i I, I kind of already have that self-awareness so i was like well thanks very much but (laughs) but, okay okay so yeah the reform well yours sounds nicer than mine mine (laughs) basically insults me and i don't think it's true at all uh i got type four 99 the individualist now i didn't do this multiple times I know that I did the test like a few months back and I didn't really like it and I did a couple, but this was the one I felt like I, you know, I just thought I'm fuck it. I'm just going to go with whatever this one gives me. Mm. Um, and it was 99%. So I thought this has got to be pretty accurate. So fours are defined by their sense of being special and different from other people. They are often creative and present a unique distinctive persona for people to be around them. Fours experience a deep conflict and that they connect with that 
in that they long to connect with others, but they feel that they are so unusual that very few people are able to truly see them as they are. Fours fear that they are flawed and they're missing out on some basic aspect of happiness that other people have access to. To cope with fear, they amplify what is different and special about themselves, looking for the niche in which they can truly be appreciated. So basically, I'm a narcissist that wants everybody <laughs> to think I'm special and different. <laughs> Oh, that's so mean. So this would be the question where it asks, um, do you think that you are uniquely unusual? And I was it like, kept asking me, do I think I'm weird and unusual and unique? And I was like, yeah, like I do. I think I'm weird. Everybody thinks they're weird. But also the, the statement, I am unusually unique. That is a tautology. Unusual and unique mean the same thing enneagram so like <laughs> how how yeah. unique do you have to be in that you're unusually unique like for god's sake it's just the the questions were yeah. so like there's no good way to answer them um but that I does seem to... like a diss i'm sorry I, <laughs> sorry to hear that i wanted to bring up my my one wing i know that i have as mm -hmm. well because i got 82 percent for this and this one actually connects to this type so apparently this makes it my wing yeah. which is number two Ooh. apparently twos are defined by their desire to belong and be loved by others <laughs> so i also want to be loved Aww. i fear being alone and unloved <laughs> uh and to cope with this fear i take care of others uh, making myself be central to other people's lives okay. so i'm a narcissist that wants to be weird and special and just to be loved i don't know this is weird like i just i go through it all and i'm just like look i, I don't connect with any of this yeah, I, I don't think if I'm going through the, the list of people that I know and whether or not they're narcissistic, there is no way in hell that I would put you in that category. Like you are not you're just not that that kind of person. Like you're no. you're, you're much more the, the empathetic person who will be like, OK, let me shelve what I need um, because this person needs me to show up for them um and like being this kind of like oh i i i'm i'm so misunderstood i just want people to love me like i've <laughs> i've known people like that and they're annoying and they're tryhards and that's just not you like i don't feel this is an yeah. accurate um representation. no and i to be honest even going through all of them i was like I understand that they don't necessarily want these all to stand alone. I get mm. that because they're a little bit specific to just be like a personality type. I understand that it's meant to kind of combine. But even going through all of the types, I was like, this just doesn't seem to make sense to me. This doesn't seem to be anything that's rational. Like I just, I didn't quite, I don't get it. And maybe mm. I'm using it wrong. But the thing is though, it was trying to make me pay for my full report to understand it more. And at that point I was like, no. Yeah, no, screw <laughs> no. that. I'm not paying I'm not paying like twenty quid or whatever for a yeah. report about my personality where, where the questions are not scenario based. And that is a massive flaw in like yeah. collecting and analyzing this type of subjective data. Like the fact that the, yeah. these questions are not specific. They're so vague. They're so open to interpretation. Like I'm not a psychologist, but I know from just you know, being a human who gets information from credible sources that like that this this is a massively flawed way of of trying to find yeah. out this information. And even though I did my test a few times and got a result which was quite similar to my MBTI result, um that that took a lot of work. And like and you I don't shouldn't know, have I, to redo it. No, That's and you should it, it shouldn't take this much work. Like I mean, I, I'm a massive advocate for um like, you know, having self-awareness and ha you know, being reflective about the choices that we make and uh you know, how we think and how we feel and what we decide to do. Um and I think counseling's awesome for that. Like, you know, I've had a myriad of mental health stuff. But, like we're all walking wounded. It's fine. Um but that really helps with the self-awareness and then when you kind of go on through that journey and you understand how to kind of why you act certain ways or why certain things are important to you and how you process information and what your source spots might be uh that that's infinitely more valuable to me than you know a test that wants me to pay 20 quid to tell me some shit about myself that may or may not even be that credible like so yeah. i i think there are there are things that we can do that we can rely upon and i think that uh like uh, Carl Jung, funnily enough, who is, was behind like uh, a lot of the MBTI uh, 
theory. Uh, he also came up with the talking method of counseling and therapy where people can just oh, introspect okay. and reflect and just do kind of person-centered. Like I think it was Carl Rogers who kind of took up the torch of that and came up with the person-centered, basically the talking cure. But it was Carl Jung that kind of, you know, in initiated that style of therapy and so maybe there's there's uh, you know being that it's so individualistic so subjective as to how we think and how we make decisions i don't know i feel like counseling's great and you know maybe maybe that's a more reliable way to get that self-awareness um rather than some of these tests so um i don't know it's kind of it's like a psychological you know whole psychological yeah. school of thought but I, I i think it's good i think it it definitely seems to to help people mm. so i looked into the reliability with the enneagram so other people were saying about it mm-hmm. uh, and it seems it's received a lot of criticism despite its <laughs> popularity sorry i, uh, I should laugh <laughs> <laughs> including a lot of accusations of being pseudoscience, uh, subject to interpretation and difficult to test or validate. Oh my God, I can't, cannot speak. Validate scientifically. Right. Um, the scientific skeptic Robert Todd Carroll included the Enneagram in a list of pseudoscientific theories that can't be tested because they are so vague and malleable that anything relevant can be shoehorned to theory, which I think is correct. And mm. I, if I can't sort of look at a personality test and understand the science behind it and how they're coming to their conclusions i'm gonna be very skeptical and i think i'm very skeptical of the enneagram and it was proved by doing my tests whereas yeah at least with the myers-briggs it kind of makes sense makes sense but uh in some aspects again it's not never going to be perfect but at least there is like a lot of rationale to it whereas there doesn't seem too much rationale with the enneagram sorry people who do that (laughs) so basically the enneagram can be put into the same category as the buzzfeed quiz about what hogwarts house you're in is that what we've is that yeah, the conclusion or, or we've what come to you are yeah what I'm potato pepperoni. are you i'm a i'm a i'm a jacket potato i think nice i don't know what yeah. potato i am i think my uh, patronus, I now need to know. uh my patronus is a uh puppy or something uh, oh, I need so... to do. I don't know what my patronus is. I'd like to know. Yeah, well, this is the accurate stuff that we really need to be investing in scientifically, <laughs> okay? Because the Enneagram, right. poof, it's out the window. Buzzfeed, that's <laughs> where we need to be <laughs> concentrating our efforts. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, I wanted to quickly go on to my science section just a little bit about personality. I don't know if you wanted to go into your creative corner first to just quickly talk about personality tests or anything like that. Well, or yeah, I mean, much? I don't, I don't have much um, for for creative corner. What's interesting about this topic and this and this episode is that it is so much scientific, um, and that's been really interesting to kind of you know dip my toe into because I enjoy research and it's been fun finding out about stuff. But with personality tests, um, it's quite like a niche psychological area. Um, mm. What I did find was that at least the Myers Briggs type indicator had room for artistic and creative traits, uh, but the other tests um, and the Enneagram in particular didn't really have any questions geared towards the arts or or creativity as something to take into consideration Uh, and particularly where these are geared towards professional uh, you know um, like where your, your company makes you do it or your boss makes you do it it is to try and fit into this corporate um sort of sphere and so nurturing that artistic or creative personality types are not always necessarily included in that because you know like you've just got to be a brick in the wall you know pink floyd style um no no room for individuality here um but uh but interestingly um there's uh quite a few stats on the myers-briggs as well so a 1973 study of students in the u.s uh actually found that infp was the most common type across students who are studying fine arts subjects. Um, and another 1973 study found that teachers of the um, of humanities and the arts, as opposed to teachers of like maths and science and stuff uh, in the US, were mostly ENFP, INFP, ENTP, or INTP. So perceptive, intuitive types, um, which is just quite yeah. interesting that there's that correlation um, because it, it, it seems that I don't know that that seems to give it a little bit more accuracy and validity in terms of you know having these these you know shared traits and the shared passion in the arts but also having the uh you know propensity for for certain personality types 
like whatever it is whether all the descriptions are always 100 percent true like whether that that's questionable but at least these people that have been put in this thing have have sort of connections right like there is there is a pattern almost yeah whatever and... that is this particular thing that they choose seems to be you know frequent among a lot of people yeah absolutely like i know that correlation doesn't always mean causation but like it is a very high correlation um and it's it wasn't only that as well but another another questionnaire of uh, 27,000 high school students uh found that students with a preference for arts english and music were primarily infp so it does seem to be on like a a fairly large like broad scale uh that these types are kind of cropping up uh you know with with artistic and, and humanities kind of areas so that that yeah. does seem to to give that that notion some credence which is quite cool of course uh, but that's pretty much it for creative corner because um yeah. a lot of the other tests don't <laughs> include creative types <laughs> so. that's all right well i think it's nice to kind of bring it to an end on my science section actually um cool. i now i'm going to preface this by saying that i'm really bad at uh, like psychology and <laughs> understanding the brain and this is a very complicated subject personality and, and i want to say that as well with like, these personality tests the the our personalities and human evolution especially with personalities is probably one of the most complicated things known to man and understanding it is incredibly complicated and no one has ever really solved it or understood it mm. or understand why we all have different personalities so a little test online whether it be myers-briggs or the enneagram is never even going to be able to touch upon the complexity of human personality mm. and so i think that's a, that's a big thing to say is you know whatever it is we try to do which is what is a very human thing we, we like to understand everything we like to put everyone in little boxes and go this is this and this is that like mm. it's incredibly complicated and it is not something that we can really ever truly understand but for sure and, and th there are so many schools of thought when it comes to psychology like neurology and uh yeah. you know like nlp and behaviorism and uh psychoanalysis like the the list just goes on and on and on when we're trying to figure out how the brain works how the mind works what is personality what's ego what's id all of it like yeah it, it is so hard to pin down and it's it's what psychologists have been doing for i mean basically thousands of years if the enneagram <laughs> yeah, exactly. takes back that long and what we're still trying yeah. to figure out now what we do understand is that personality is always a combination of nature v nurture which is mm. basically your genetics the the environment that you're growing up in mm. and so that is always going to be a combination of you and so they i remember that you know I think they probably still do tests like this, but especially back in the day, you know, they do a lot of tests with twins that sort of grew up in different environments and be one that was adopted and one wasn't. Two different environments. Uh, obviously, twins have the same genetic makeup, so they're in, two, in a lot of ways two blank slates. And they found that nurture has such a big influence on somebody's personality, but also that nature is, is really has a lot of influence too, which is mm. so interesting to think that you actually a lot of your personality traits are genetic like i'm so similar to my dad and our personalities it's weird but i'm yeah. quite different to my mum like me and my dad are very neurotic <laughs> very <laughs> neurotic in the way that we are like when we went on holiday together not long ago um you know we would check our bags like three times to make sure we had passports when everyone's laughing Aww. at us and we would <laughs> we'd be so like you know eager about like being late blah 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 and like just this general like neurotic patterns that we both seem to share that my siblings don't yeah. and it's it's so interesting um and I, I also found out that supposedly like neuroticism is linked to the size of your I know I can never say this oh um, god size of, size <laughs> it's of what <laughs> it's, it's a brain part the amid amid amygdala diala, uh, amig amygdala I don't know I think it's amygdala that's how, I've heard it. Uh, that's how I've heard it said but yeah yes, that's your amygdala. that's your fight or flight response right I think so but yeah apparently it's been it's been linked to the size of your amygdala okay. um so supposedly obviously if that was to change or like increase or decrease that would change how neurotic you are which is really interesting ah. um and so you know in in some ways you are your genetics but you're also your environment mm -hmm. but the funny thing is is that brains do have the ability to change like there is a lot of plasticity with brains and yeah and it's been found that some people that have had accidents where they've had brain injury 
Um, I've had personality changes because wow. of it. And That's so it's re- it's really bizarre, but again, very, very complicated. And so, you know, these tests, although, you know, we've done a whole episode on it and we find it yeah. really interesting and we like to to compare ourselves with it. It's, it is, it's good to remember that personality is fucking crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, yeah. No, I was just going to say there's, there's so much that goes into it. Like a lot of the, the study that I've done is about um, gender and whether gender is nature or nurture. And there's this huge, mm. uh, basically it's nurture, basically it's all a social construct. Uh, when uh, there's a doctor called uh, Cordelia Fine, I believe. I will fact check that uh, before putting this out there. But uh, she did like one of the largest neurological uh, sort of uh, studies and basically found that when we're born our brains are just gray mush they are just absolute it's like plasticine just matter waiting to be molded but as we grow and as our gender uh stereotypes uh, start to be drilled into us uh men and women develop different neurological pathways for decision making where for example men are more likely to be risk takers and women are more likely to, to play it play it safe uh and that we lose a lot of that cognitive flexibility as we age so this is where trying to argue with your racist grandparents at christmas is really fucking difficult because they don't have the cognitive like flexibility to go hmm actually you might have a point they just are so like their brains are like nope this is how we are now we can't change our pathways anymore yeah Um, because i was looking at a study that was that was similar as well sorry that was like um saying about how if it was beneficial for you to grow up in a house okay let's just use racism as a thing if you were to grow up in a household that was racist and it was beneficial for you to also be racist then therefore your brain will be racist supposedly right. like well not exactly it's not like you have a racist brain but you know what i mean like you are more inclined to be that way and you could because use that with anything whether it be submissive or aggressive or mm. something like your brain is then going to form and you are going to become more of that personality yeah yeah, it's it's so fascinating, but but yeah, just just so much goes into it. Um, and you know, the personality tests are, are definitely definitely cool, and I think that we can. I mean, I I'm I'm still a little bit like you know, I think there's there's some, uh, like credibility to Myers Briggs. I feel like that test out of the ones that we the two that we've looked at today, that I one do has, too. Has yeah, some credibility. Uh, but what's interesting is is yeah like we said it's not definitive it's not exhaustive it is scratching the surface to give you an indication about what part of your cognitive function is yeah and it's impossible to even though i i I like my Briggs, and to me it's the most thorough and at the moment with everything else i think it's the most reliable but there is no way that you could put everybody into the world into 16 types of people Mm. like there is it's it's not correct there's there'd probably obviously be more but it's a good basis of where to start. Mm-hmm. I try to have a look at the evolution of, of personality as well and see, you know, because with, with a lot of things, you tend to get like the ideal thing, like, you know, with humans, especially it's like mm. you're evolving to have the best thing to help you survive. But supposedly with personalities, um, especially a team in the UK, I think recently wrote a paper on it saying that they think that nature is actually promotes different personalities and that it, that we evolved in such a way to have different personalities because if we'd all had the same personality I don't think that would have necessarily been like a good thing and so I think actually which I think was actually just a nice thing to think about was actually mm. like that the evolution may have directed us in a way to have lots of different personalities to be able to cope with lots of different scenarios and I don't know whether that's true and whether obviously evolution doesn't really have a thought pattern but I just thought it was quite nice to think well you know we're all different and that's fine I, yeah, I, th- I think that's awesome. Um, that's a really nice kind of uh, like thought to leave off with because yeah. I, I guess it, it just kind of makes me think that like, yeah, if we were all the same, then there would be far less progress. There would be far less uh, conversation. There would be exactly. far less yeah. like, you know, investigation or exploration or discussion. Like random ideas and things like right. that. Where, you know, we've got like a, we've got cars and whoever comes up with like different things, like your brain has to be a bit different to someone else to be able to do that. And yeah, to yeah and I, I think and that's stuff. exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's awesome. So it just, it takes all sorts to make a world and that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nice. You always teach us the science and I love it. I try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like let us know if if you guys do it, if you've already done it. Let us know how you got on, if you think Myers-Briggs, like if it worked for you, if it didn't. 
try the Enneagram. Have fun with that one. Yeah, Let good luck with you that. You had more luck. <laughs> Let us know how it goes for you. Like, we'd be really interested to know and like what you think about it and everything. I think that's why it's quite an interesting one as well because although I know a lot of people out there listening probably aren't IF- INFJ, but if you are, that's cool. Let us know. We'd like to know if you are similar to us uh, and you got the same result if not let us know what you are anyway because there's like obviously 50 more of them so we only really spoke about ours because obviously it's us and we can't really speak much more on the other ones because we don't have any kind of connection to them but uh yeah just let us know yeah um, come and come and have a chat to us yeah we are you can do that at... on social media which you're better at than me go for it <laughs> we, we are at not for girls pod on twitter and instagram so come and chat to us there or you can email us uh, at notforgirlspodcast at gmail.com um and awesome. give us a shout if you want us to like uh, discuss particular topics and stuff as well like we have a list as long as our arms but if there's stuff that you guys are really interested in that you want us to kind of go into more detail on or um just other topics that you'd like us to cover i mean we've got a long list that we probably w- will get to it at some point but uh if you're enjoying this and you're really interested in hearing us chat about other stuff then let us know and uh we yeah. will we will do that awesome all right well thanks for listening thank you and we will see you next time